Welcome to GovInnovator. I'm Andy Feldman. Our focus today is evidence-based grant making, in particular, how one federal agency, the Corporation for National and Community Service, or CNCS, has strengthened the use of evidence in one of its key grant programs, the AmeriCorps program. Our guests are Dinah Epstein and Carla Ganiel from CNCS. Here's a clip. This is frankly a new way of doing business. Um, and you can't just bring this on the field and expect that it's going to go smoothly. So we have had pushback, and I think that that is to be expected. Um, but, you know, as Carla said earlier, our philosophy really is to provide support along the way. So from the start, we've said, yes, we're going to raise expectations, but we will also support you in getting there. And I think that's been really important. So I would say introduce changes slowly if you can and explain the rationale along the way. So this is not CNCS just imposing some random mandate or requirement out of the blue. You know, this is part of a larger movement towards evidence-based policymaking. And you see this across the federal government. You see it in the nonprofit sector. You see it in the philanthropic sector. So this is the way the field is going. And it's important for our grantees to understand that this is part of that larger context. Um, and really, you know, we think that investing in evidence is a strategic investment and it's a smart way to serve people better. The Corporation for National and Community Service is best known for its role in overseeing the AmeriCorps program. That program provides grants to nonprofits and local governments to address community needs in education, public safety, health, and the environment. The money pays to support AmeriCorps members and their activities, whether it's tutoring in an elementary school or building affordable housing in response to a national disaster. The funding includes about $230 million in competitive grants to about 350 grantees. In 2014, AmeriCorps began prioritizing evidence in the scoring criteria by which it awards those competitive grants. To learn more, including advice for other federal agencies that want to strengthen the role of evidence in their grant making, we're joined by Diana Epstein, who is a manager in the Research and Evaluation Office at CNCS, and Carla Ganiel, who is a senior program specialist with the AmeriCorps program. Welcome to you both. Diana, when we say that AmeriCorps started prioritizing evidence in its scoring criteria, tell us in basic terms what that means. So what this means is that applicants are eligible for up to 100 points as part of the competitive funding process. And evidence is 12 points out of those 100. So applicants that come in with a stronger evidence base could get more points. So those that have, let's say, moderate or strong levels of evidence, if they've done a quasi-experimental design evaluation or a randomized control trial, let's say they could get uh, 10 to 12 points. But applicants that have a less strong evidence base, if they've only done you know, less rigorous evaluation, uh, findings are not quite as positive yet, they would only be eligible for fewer points. So evidence is scored as one part of the scoring criteria. So this is about adding competitive preference points, as they're called, to a discretionary grant competition. In this case, applicants can get up to 12 points out of 100 based on the strength of the evidence that they bring behind their proposed activity. Another approach that we've talked about on the podcast, which I know you're familiar with as well, is the tiered evidence design where there are two or three different tiers to which applicants can apply, depending on how much evidence they're bringing to the table. To help our listeners differentiate between these two approaches, tell us how you describe the difference. 
Right. So in a tiered evidence approach, uh, the amount of funding that a grantee is eligible for depends on the strength of their evidence. So in that framework, applicants with moderate or strong levels of evidence would be eligible for higher funding tiers, and those with less developed evidence would only be eligible for less amounts of funding. So that's different than what we've done for AmeriCorps. So for AmeriCorps, the level of funding is completely decoupled from the strength of evidence. Stronger evidence is more points. Less strong evidence is less points. So what you just discussed is what's referred to as front-end evidence, meaning that grantees need to bring evidence to the table in order to get those points. But the program also emphasizes producing evidence on the back end. In other words, AmeriCorps has an evaluation requirement. Tell us about that. Right. So we award AmeriCorps grants for three-year funding cycles. And once an applicant receives funding, once they're awarded a grant, they have to meet our evaluation requirements. So the first time that an applicant is awarded funding, they don't have an evaluation requirement because we realize that new programs, it takes some time for them to get up and running. We want them to develop good systems, good data systems. But if they recompete for funding the second time that they receive funding, so a second three-year cycle, then they have to meet our evaluation requirements. And those requirements uh, depend on the size of the grantee. So small grantees, those that get less than $500,000 from us a year, they can do pretty much whatever kind of evaluation they want. It can be internal, external, process study, or an impact study. But the bigger grantees, those that get more than $500,000 a year from us, have to do an independent impact evaluation. And that process pretty much continues. So every subsequent time they're refunded, they have to keep doing evaluation. And the idea is for them to keep building their evidence base over time. So, you know, we recognize that grantees really are on all different parts of the spectrum. We think of evidence as along a continuum. And what's most important to us is that all the grantees are advancing their evidence base over time. Um, we really want to make that clear to folks that, you know, what's important is that people are learning, they're improving, evaluation is a tool for that. So Carla, Diana just mentioned uh, building evidence along a continuum. Give us a couple examples, if you would, of grantees that have successfully built evidence about their approach at different places along that continuum. Okay, so um, I'll talk about two different programs. One is an environmental program that is very early on in building evidence, and then the other is an education program that has done quite a bit of evaluation work. So Conservation Legacy is a conservation core model where AmeriCorps members are engaged in a wide variety of environmental restoration activities. That is hard to measure because they are engaged in so many different activities. Um, and, and historically, environmental programs have struggled to measure environmental outcomes. So this program started with a literature review. And so they looked first at the scientific evidence that actually supports the interventions that AmeriCorps members are doing. And they were looking specifically not only to see how strong that evidence was, but also to identify outcome indicators that they might be able to use in their own performance measurement and evaluation efforts. So once they did that, the next step is to focus in on a common subset of activities. So they're not trying to measure everything that they're doing, but a common subset of activities and develop common measurement tools across sites. Um, and then also thinking a little bit further ahead about what they could measure in the long term. 
So this is the very sort of the beginning of the continuum where you're focusing on a solid program design, you're collecting performance measurement data, and you're thinking, beginning to think longer term about how some of that outcome data that you're collecting in performance measurement could begin to inform your evaluation questions. So um, on the other end of the continuum, one of our grantees is Jumpstart. Um, they are a large national grantee, so they're required to do an impact evaluation. They are an early childhood education program that focuses on preparing preschool children for kindergarten, particularly in the area of literacy. So Jumpstart has actually done three impact evaluations. They did three different quasi-experimental studies in three of the states in which they operate. Um, and all of those studies found that the children who received the Jumpstart service were better prepared in terms of liter literacy to start kindergarten than the children in the comparison group. That makes sense. Uh, for our listeners who aren't familiar with quasi-experimental designs, it could be, for example, comparing the outcomes of kids in classrooms that received uh, Jumpstart with kids in other classrooms in the school that didn't receive Jumpstart. Another question for you, Carla, is when AmeriCorps started prioritizing evidence in its scoring criteria, what were the reactions among grantees? Was it concern, fear, joy, a mix? I think this will be especially interesting to know for uh, other agencies that might want to follow a similar approach. There was definitely a lot of fear and a lot of doubt on the part of grantees that they had the capacity to do what we were asking them to do. So, uh, you know, many of these organizations are very small, grassroots, community-based organizations. Some may only have 10 or 20 AmeriCorps members serving. In a lot of those organizations, there isn't a staff person who is well-versed in evaluation. So there was concern about that. There was concern about the cost, particularly for smaller programs and rural programs. And there's, of course, the concern that if an evaluation had some unfavorable results that the program might lose funding. So to address the evaluation capacity concerns, we made sure that we had a strong training and technical assistance component in place to support programs as we were making this shift. We have provided one-on-one -on -one technical assistance to large grantees to make sure that they have evaluation plans in place that are sufficient to conduct an impact evaluation. Uh, although we can't provide that same level of assistance to all of the small grantees, we do provide written feedback on all of their evaluation plans. And we developed an entire evaluation core curriculum, which is available online. So we provided all of these resources to help grantees begin to understand evaluation better and conduct evaluation better. I know, Carla, that the program emphasized a few important messages to grantees about the evidence elements of the grant, messages that were designed to help assuage the fear involved and also to help grantees understand the purpose of those evidence elements. Tell us what those messages were. Yes. We had three key messages that we have emphasized continuously throughout this process. So the first key message is we see values at all stages of the evidence continuum. So it's not that um, just because, you know, you might get more points in our notice if you have moderate or strong evidence. Our intention is not just to fund programs that have moderate and strong evidence. We think there's value in funding programs that are brand new and have not collected any data if they have a solid theory of change. We think there is value in supporting programs to develop good performance measurement systems and begin collecting data about performance measurement. What is important to us, as Diana said, is that a program knows where they are on the continuum and that they're constantly thinking about how they can build evidence over time. 
So the second message is that evaluation is about learning. So this is not meant to be a punitive process. It's meant to be a learning process. If a grantee has an evaluation that shows that things are not working the way that they had expected, that's actually a success because it means that they can change their program, they can improve their program, and they can do something different to serve people better than they're serving them now. And then the last message is that the focus really should be on good management and not worrying so much about the points in the notice and how how many points you'll get in our grant competition. We really want programs to focus on doing evaluation about things that are important to them to know about their program, managing well with data, and if they do those things, then the points will fall into place over time. So Diana, I want to shift back to your perspective from the research and evaluation office. Let's say that a federal grant program team may be listening to this podcast in another agency says, okay, we're interested in doing the same thing, adding front-end and back-end evidence elements. What does it take in terms of resources and skills? Sure. So first of all, I think, you know, this can be done. And I think that's really important for people to understand. It is a big lift, perhaps, at first, but this is something that any agency can do. So number one, I would say you need high-capacity people, um, high-capacity staff at the agency, both within the Research and Evaluation Office and in the Program Office. So both are really important. So we need to understand the opportunities and challenges that the programs face. We also need to understand the technical details and how the field of evaluation is evolving um, so we know what we can reasonably expect of our grantees. The second I would say is uh, strong leadership support. So it's really important that leadership um, talk the talk and walk the walk on this and that the message that's conveyed by leadership is consistent with the message that, you know, we, we, the program office and the research office have been trying to convey as well. Um, And then third, I think a strong trusting relationship between our two offices, so between my office and Carla's office, has been really critical. So Carla and her colleagues understand the intricacies of the program much better than we do, but we understand the technical details of evaluation better than they do. So it's only in partnership that this works. And we work together very closely. So we work together on crafting the language for the funding notice, for figuring out how the evidence section will be reviewed and scored, for developing our technical assistance strategy. Our offices pretty much work together every step of the way. And a related question, Diana, what are the biggest challenges that you think programs will need to overcome to be able to successfully integrate evidence into their grant programs? Uh, Challenges? This is frankly a new way of doing business. Um, And you can't just bring this on the field and expect that it's going to go smoothly. So we have had pushback, and I think that that is to be expected. Um, But, you know, as Carla said earlier, our philosophy really is to provide support along the way. So from the start, we've said, yes, we're going to raise expectations, but we will also support you in getting there. And I think that's been really important. So I would say introduce changes slowly if you can and explain the rationale along the way. So this is not CNCS just imposing some random mandate or requirement out of the blue. You know, this is part of a larger movement towards evidence-based policymaking. And you see this across the federal government. You see it in the nonprofit sector. You see it in the philanthropic sector. So this is the way the field is going. And it's important for our grantees to understand that this is part of that larger context. Um, And really, you know, we think that investing in evidence is a strategic investment and it's a smart way to serve people better. A final question for you, Diana, which is what are the next steps for CNCS, in other words, the broader agency, in terms of this process, in terms of using evidence to strengthen the agency's impact? 
So we want to focus a lot more on communication and dissemination so that grantees can see what other folks are doing, what their peers are doing, and learn from them as part of this learning and improving process. So to that end, um, we've created an online evidence exchange, which is a an online repository of evaluation reports from both AmeriCorps and the Social Innovation Fund. So this is kind of a one-stop shop where grantees and other stakeholders can go look online, look at the other evaluations that their peers have done, and hopefully learn from them. And perhaps even, you know, see the types of programs and the evidence they have, and perhaps um, start to adapt those programs for their own use. Um, Another one is our annual research conference. So last year, my office hosted our first ever research conference, and we're going to do it again this fall. Um, And this is a great opportunity to bring together grantees, academics, other researchers, uh, program staff, pretty much everyone in the national service and civic engagement community to focus on evidence and to learn from each other, to learn what's working, um, where folks are headed in terms of evaluation, and to take that knowledge with them as they go implement their own programs. That sounds very useful. Diana and Carla, thank you both for being with us and sharing your insights about how AmeriCorps has really taken important steps in using evidence to increase its impact. And thank you to all of our listeners for being with us.